Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisler Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. And welcome to another episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast. Special episode this morning on Saturday. Very special episode. January 16th, 2021. Our first reaction for WandaVision. WandaVision. That's right. WandaVision episode WandaVision. one and two. New to Disney+. Plus. And uh, we're very excited to share our initial thoughts with you. My name is Steve Baldwin, and I'm joined this morning, if you haven't already figured it out, by my good friends Dave Potter and Nico Rodriguez. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. And, th- and this is our first sojourn back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in nearly 18 months, right? Because Spider-Man Far From Home dropped in July wow. of 2019. So is this the beginning uh, of Phase 4, then? It is the revamped beginning of Phase 4. Phase 4 was originally supposed to start with the release of Black Widow in May of 2020, but, you know, there was a pandemic. You may have heard about it. Yeah, I seem to recall something about that. Yeah, I live it every single day of my life. And and this was also not supposed to be the TV launch of Marvel Cinematic Universe product. That was actually supposed to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but, again, the pandemic happened. And production shut down, and WandaVision actually wound up finishing production ahead of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, Mm -hmm. here we are. All right, and here we are. And here we are to talk about episode one and two, which dropped um, at the same time on the same day, January 15th, uh, just yesterday as we record the show. Um, We'll just start as we always do with these brief episodes. Um, We'll start with Nico. Nico, what did you think of WandaVision? Um, high level, was, high level thoughts. It was weird. It was really good. Um, obviously we're going to be getting into some spoilers here, um, this morning. So if you've not seen the shows yet, um, please pause this, go watch those and then come back. Oh, and I'm um, out my soundboard this morning, but okay. Steve post-production insert spoiler alert here. Wanda will rewind it and put it in for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that sounds so bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's why we have a mature rating on this show. Um, but yeah, um, weird. It was it was fucking weird, but it was really good. Um, I am a bit young, I think, to catch all of the kind of sitcom nods uh, that might have been in there. I uh, mm-hmm. pretty much was just getting a lot of "I Dream of Genie." with you know yeah. the little twinkles and stuff just happening but even that i'm i couldn't tell you like oh yeah that thing happened in that episode from when this happened like no it was just like i think yeah. i've seen maybe one or two episodes of i dream a genie and it was just kind of like a general feeling that i was getting from it um but no there was uh there were some cool points that were in there um i don't get it yet I, okay. I don't get it at all, but I'm ready to get it. 
So so let me ask you before I, I, I ask Dave a similar question. Do you have any background on these characters aside from what you've seen in the films? Did you read any of the, the comics or do you know their backstory at all? A little bit. Um, I have not read, you know, I'm getting a feeling that this is going to be fairly similar to House of M. Um from what what we know from all the MCU movies, they um they don't follow the comics to the T. They kind of pick and choose bits and pieces from different story arcs and mm-hmm. make their own stories that are similar enough, uh, but not the same. So this is obviously going to be influenced by House of M, I think, in some ways. Um, but I've not read all of it. But uh, I, okay. I I kind of know how it happens. It's it's been around long enough, and that was a big enough story um, in comics that I know what happens without having read all of it. But I okay. have no idea where the show is going. I okay. have no idea. So so we're a little bit in the same boat. Uh, and and um, Dave, I'll hand it off to you in a, in a second. I. I uh, know very little about the story. I got a few uh, hints from just from listening to um, Dave and Greg and Sixth Hyvie and Chris. So I I know a little bit about the story and I think where the sort of foundational pieces of the Wanda and Vision story are rooted and uh, what sort of a reality we're dealing with here. Um, so I, I'm like you. I have no idea where it's going, and it's a lot of fun to see it unwind in in, in front of us um, in a weekly um, sort of format. Dave, what was your high-level impression of the show, having watched it for the first time? I enjoyed it, but I'm a little, also a little skeptical of it at the same time. I do have a long history. I mean, I've been reading the comic book adventures of these characters since 1984, 1985. So I, I have a long history and I caught several of the references and, and mm. found several more references, you know, reading about the shows online. But this show is different from Mandalorian to me in that Mandalorian, you watch the first episode and whether you know Star Wars or not, you understand what that show is after you've watched the pilot all the way through. You know mm-hmm. what it's going to be, even if you can't articulate it. It gives you that strong of a feeling of what it's going to be. WandaVision, I'm not sure. They're clearly setting mm-hmm. up a mystery in terms of what's going on with the characters, the what and the why. And I think how good these episodes actually wind up being in the final analysis is going to depend on the payoff of that mystery down the road. And I think Nico's mm-hmm. correct in his analysis. There is a storyline in the comics uh, called House of M, a very famous modern story that centered around Wanda uh, suffering post-traumatic stress disorder after the death or not death of her children. And after she wigged out and accidentally killed a couple of Avengers after that happened, and she creates an alternate reality where everybody is still alive and her family is the ascendant controlling family of the Marvel universe in the comics. Her father is Magneto from the X-Men and there is the house of M moniker. It all of course falls apart, but I think Nico's right. And that's the inspiration for this story somehow. And when you said that Nico, it actually clicked for me, like why John Favreau is doing so well with star Wars, the Marvel movies and John Favreau really kind of invented the formula 
or was the first executor of the formula for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you take these bits and pieces from the comics over the years. Maybe they're not in chronological order, but you take the little bits and pieces to tell the cinematic story that you're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's doing with Star Wars. He's going back through all the expanded canon that's been abandoned by Disney, and he's just taking out these little bits and pieces here and there to tell the cinematic story that he wants to tell. So he's taking something that he used with great success in the Marvel Universe, and he's bringing it over to Star Wars. That's an aside. We can do that on the main show. But, Nico, I just wanted you to know that clicked for me when you said that. Yeah, dude. Great analysis, as always. And we are joined by guest... Not really a guest, but he's a guest this morning. Uh, well, it's, anytime it's he's before, awake before. It's, yeah, it's before noon, so he's really a guest. We appreciate this, Scott. <laughs> he woke up before the sun came up today. It's to still it 9.50. I haven't slept, but thank you. Scott, <laughs> Scott, crawl through the screen and kill you, Nico. Morning, if, the, if the visual of my face is not enough to explain <laughs> that, I don't know what is. But, yeah. Can you hear me okay, guys? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we can, yeah. Loud and clear. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I just want to know how far into it has Dave explained that this is all about the House of M. <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been I did that difficult. first. Thank you. Okay. Fuck you, Scott. But I so, will point out there is yeah. a potential House of M Easter egg in the first yeah. episode. Oh, no, there def definitely is. Which is during the uh, during the dinner party, if you look on the bottle of wine that is being poured, there is an M logo there. And the French label on it uh, loosely translates to House of Misery, yes, a.k.a. House of M. Yep. Yeah, it, you know, uh, uh, having uh, zero background on this stuff, when you sent the article with, like, the top 25 Easter eggs, Dave, um, huh. I, I was just like, Oh my God! The 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 small printing on the wine label that you see for three seconds, yeah, is is an Easter egg. Uh, well, I mean, this this stuff they do such a great job with 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 that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or well, the Marvel Universe in particular. Two yeah, things, Scott. Steve. Um, mm -hmm. One, uh, you're talking about Dave and all of us that are comic book nerds, but you're also talking about the fact that they use that shot. As a like they focus in on that shot so you can see the label very clearly uh, even in the, the teaser for it. But two, 25 Easter eggs. Dave, I was literally counting over 100, man. There are so <laughs> many. Well, before uh, we I, get into the Easter eggs themselves. So, yeah. Sorry, Dave, do you want to have a comment? No, I was, I was just going to say, yeah, we could do a two hour show trying to delve into <laughs> Easter eggs or potential Easter eggs. And uh, just to illustrate that point, I'll throw one out because this could be an accident. It could be by design. But in the first episode, the calendar date with the heart on it is August 23rd, which yes. would be traditionally noted as 823 if you wrote it out. But another way to write it, which is a non-traditional way, would be to put the day first and the month second, 238 or 238. Yep. And issue 238 of the Avengers is an issue where the Vision has been mortally wounded and is yep. trying to recover and reactivate himself. Yes. Good that's call. That's just that's just insane. Have that we, could have be we, strike. That could be just Scott, a happy so so let me get us back on track here because we've yeah. got 20 minutes left. Scott, um as as we start the show as we always do, I asked for high level first impression. So Scott, what was your first impression of WandaVision? Are are we allowed to swear on the uh the review shows? <laughs> 
yes, we do keep the explicit rating for the review shows. All right, I'll, I'll I'll tone it down, but I will say this: absolutely fantastic. It is high level. It is beyond what I expected. Um, it's so much more. I mean, really, it's so much more than just a Marvel thing. I I have one criticism of the the two episodes so far, um, but I'm not going to get to that yet. But yes absolutely fantastic television i was in i was enjoying the hell out of it so great yes all right i'm going to before i i share my thoughts about it i want to i want to um i want to chime in for greg here greg could not be on the show this morning but he did message the group and um so i'll just throw out what he's what he messaged us he said um i won't be on later this morning but i wanted to jump in scott style see that jump in um (laughs) He says, uh, he writes, the first two episodes are trying very hard to set up the big mystery, in quotes. The result for me is trying to tie this in to what I know from the comics. I'm a diehard, and I feel that my desire to dig deeper will be lost to the general public. I found the episodes interesting, but not great. I'm into the show premise, but I think opening your big TV universe with dated sitcom homages is a mistake that could cost return viewers. And then uh, second message, he says, I spent a second viewing just trying to spot Easter eggs and not paying attention to the show. That's a bad sign. And, um, and, that, and that's interesting because that gets to what I said earlier. This was never intended to be the launch show for the for Marvel Cinematic Universe TV. It was supposed yeah. to be the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is clearly – a much more traditional Marvel comic book action adventure. So my take on on it, though, is that I think it's it might Disney may have fallen into a happy accident in that case, because I feel like it's almost like a thinking person's show that it's and it's a smart way to relaunch phase four with this sort of um, <laughs> now I want to draw an analogy to, um, you know, the uh trade routes and 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 taxation are in dispute um start of episode one um but i i kind of feel like yes you could come out with bombastic action scenes but why not go slow and sort of ease your way in and unravel this mystery that is you know wandavision and and frankly and well i don't want to say that well that's too big of a spoiler but go ahead dave no i was gonna say i i I agree with some with some of what Greg is saying, right? I, I do think the ultimate success or failure of these episodes and the show as a whole is going to be how good is the payoff at the end? You know, yeah. clearly this is a mystery. Clearly they're they're moving through the eras of sitcom, right? We did the 50s yeah. and the 60s with episode one and two. We went into color. So next episode is going to be the 70s. I think we have an 80s and potentially a 90s episode coming. And then we should start to get into the, wait, why are we, walking through this kind of chronological Truman show for Wanda and the vision. And is the vision really real? Like again, a funny little bit when the vision walks into frame for the first time as a character, he gets hit in the head with a plate and he says, you know, my wife and her flying saucers and her response is my husband and his indestructible head. His head is very destructible. Thanos proved it in infinity war. That's how Thanos Mm -hmm. killed vision. Right. So seriously, so many of those moments, Dave, so many of those, so both episodes, but yeah. So, so not, so, so, and I, I caught that as well, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize the, the critical nature of her comment until after the fact, 
Um, I didn't hear, I didn't get it in the moment. Um, but not being a fan of, and, and having the, the pedigree that you guys have around the comics, I was just struck by the, the set design and the, um, the sort of ode to 50s television in episode one. It's sort of like, I love Lucy, leave it to Beaver, Bewitched. And the Dick, and the Dick Van Dyke show. Dick Van Dyke, the Twilight Zone. Um, uh, Nico mentioned I Dream of Jeannie, which is, you know, the next Bewitched. decade. Bewitched, for sure. Second, um, every, second episode was heavy Bewitched. Oh, yes. Heavy Bewitched. But every 50s and 60s sitcom you can think of sort of compressed into these two episodes and and after watching the first one i'm like oh this is really going to be kind of fun it it actually brought me back to watching the reruns of those shows having been um an elementary school kid in the 70s and watching a lot of 50s reruns um it i that was really cool i really thought that was kind of an ingenious move and then for episode two jumping ahead a whole decade i was like whoa this is what's happening here. So for me, the the it's it it really is unraveling this mystery, and I'm already in a place where I can't see what I can't wait to see what comes next. It's, it's very exciting. In. Steve, I got to jump in because I love saying jumping in, and uh, that's an ode to Greg's comment. But to Dave's point, um, here's here's the deal. <laughs> um, well, you don't have to have the knowledge of the MCU to get what's kind of going on. It's obviously the fun part of it is the plane of the, the decades of these old TV shows. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's more of a pattern there than you guys are kind of just meshing it all together. Each episode distinctly has one or two styles to it. And that goes deeper. This is where, if you really are a thinking person, comedy type person, you can see that they're using the actual techniques of the filming of the era. So it yeah. looks like it, but yeah. it's also the way that the jokes are being delivered. Watch episode one and then rewatch episode two and watch how the dialogue changes from those two episodes. Um, the other thing is, yeah. And the camera through, work. You're totally and the camera right. Work. Camera and, work even, and even Scott, so cool. I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump in on your jumping in. Yes. Even in episode <laughs> one, the moment where uh, Vision's boss started choking, the camera work changed mm -hmm. yes. it moved out of that very traditional like one or two camera yep. homage of how you typically do a, a, a sitcom and became something a little more out of the twilight zone or a little more cinematic yes. and then dropped back to what it was to what it was before e like, even was the color jarring... palette slightly changed yeah. as well from that monochromatic flat screen to yeah. all of a sudden you've got more darks and lights and depth yeah. That was very dramatic, and I loved that. I think this is done on, uh, intentionally. I mean, I shouldn't say that. It, it is done intentionally to add the – okay, so like I said, each episode has one or two um, traditional style shows that it's it's uh, has like an homage to. It's, it's mimicking. The Twilight Zone aspect, I think, is what's pulling us back out to show you that there's a bigger story that's being revealed here. There's other little subtle hints. So when you get to episode two – so episode one is mostly – I love Lucy and like Dick Van Dyke. And then what I saw the switch was it went to more bewitched, which is obviously in the, <clears throat> excuse me, coffee, <laughs> uh, the opening sequence, but certainly uh, the way that Wanda's uh, um, character is perceived in the second episode. But the other thing I saw was it does carry the Dick Van Dyke 
element over. There are moments of Dick Van Dyke that bleed into the second one where the two beds are very prominent, which was a big thing in the 50s, and transferring over to the 60s, that starts to merge together, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Fun story on that, Scott. The show that merged it was Bewitched. Bewitched was the first show to have have them sleeping together, have them in the uniform bed. Although didn't Lucy and Ricky, Lucy and Ricky eventually pushed their beds together, didn't they? But that was more of a 50s show than a 60s show, right? For sure, yes. And that's that's what I'm saying. And Dave, I like your point on that because that's why I said the Dick Van Dyke because watch the character moments in there. Vision really acts a lot like Dick Van Dyke in the opening sequence of that. He he. There's a bit where he almost trips over the ottoman, and that was yes. a staple of the right. Dick Van Dyke show. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, the before, Twilight before, Zone. Yeah. Before oh, you go on, just, so you were transitioning from one to two. Yeah. And I just have to bring up at the end of episode one when they pull out of the end of the episode and you see that the black and white episode is being monitored by what looks like a modern high tech. Um workstation yeah and then there credits there are a couple logos yeah there are a couple logos in that shot that appear to be the logos of an organization called sword in the comics which is like a counterpart to shield okay for those of us that are not indoctrinated into this world can you explain the difference between shield and sword shield is basically to deal with <laughs> yes. Thank you, Nico. That was good. Uh, I need to rephrase my questions. Shield is basically a domestic or a planetary organization, and Sword is designed to is tasked with uh, extraplanetary stuff. So Shield realistically would be dealing with Hydra, like mm. the Strucker Watch, or and Sword would be dealing with the Skrulls from Captain Marvel or from the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. Right. Okay. There's a there's or a the theory Chitauri that that Yeah, there's a theory that that Nick Fury's spaceship uh post-credit sequence that we got at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home that was an indicator of oh, Sword is in existence in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that's where Nick Fury has been running around for the last few years not on Earth fighting Hydra. Okay. And the sword logo pops up in two locales in the second episode. The helicopter. The helicopter. The helicopter, which also has the number 57 on it, which is the first appearance of the Vision, Avengers 57. Uh, Heinz 57, the ketchup yes. company. Uh, nothing. Nothing. Okay. Stop. Shit. You're reaching. You're reaching, right. sir. <laughs> but if you watch the beekeeper, the back mm-hmm. of the beekeeper's whether it's a beekeeper outfit or a hazmat outfit, it looks like a weird Twilight Zone hybrid of the two. The sword logo is on the back of that. Now, I keep hearing people um, talk about... I I follow some comic book YouTubers, and this is where I get most of my comic books. I I basically listen to comic book reviews like a podcast on YouTube. (laughs) And one of the guys was talking about the beekeepers being AIM. They could be the the a, an aim costume from the comic books looks a lot like a a the beekeeper outfit. It's not exact, but it's certainly possible. And if it is aim, that might explain the voice on the radio that we heard in episode two. Because sword yeah. at the end of the day is would be a friendly organization, 
AIM is an offshoot of Hydra and would not be a friendly organization. And the voice on the radio is asking Wanda, who is doing this to you? Yeah. Who is doing this to you? Which implies that what's happening is not entirely, you know, like Wanda's decision or she might be being held somewhere as a captive mm-hmm. as opposed I, to maybe being held in a medical institution with people who are actively trying to help her. My, my feeling on that, though, Dave, is first of all, and, and Nico, that was a good point on the AIM thing and Dave yes, calling that out. Nico. Great but poll, Nico. I am going to say that I still think it's S.W.O.R.D. And I think what S.W.O.R.D. is not seeing is that they think she is being held captive and she's being forced in this this reality. I don't know if we've gotten to that point yet, but I I don't think they have all the knowledge that Wanda's actually the antagonist in this. She is the one who's creating this alternate reality this tv world that where this is all kind of happening and sword is trying to get in that's why we see the helicopter in episode two um with the logo on it also the commercials dave you pointed out a couple things because they the toaster commercial also has a little hidden thing in there for stark industries and the fact that the toaster is very like iconic of the original vision or ultron or even iron man suit itself it, it, and she's and even and even if it's not because yeah. that was my first thought too, Scott, and I'm sorry to jump in on you, but yeah. on on reviewing it, I'm wondering if it isn't just that the toaster is meant to look menacing, because that is the most threatening weaponized toaster I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And remember that in the movies, uh, the Scarlet Witch's origin is related to a Stark Stark Industries munitions. She does not view Tony Stark as a right. friendly person because she spent That's a right. lot of time in a bombed out apartment building with a live Stark Industries bomb. Yeah, there's, the, and there's a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry Nico. <laughs> I was going to say, the theory that I've heard, and I kind of like it, is that the um, <clears throat> commercials that we're going to get are kind of a chronological order of traumatic stresses that oh, uh, Wanda oh, has gotten. Good. Because you start with Tony Stark's bomb, and then after that it goes into Strucker's, um, you know, tinkering his watchmaking as far as, you know, creating the twins. Yes. And then, you know, so the next thing that we might see could be something involving, you know, a building or the bomb or, you know. So or, the theory or, or, or is that Pedro's it's, death. Or Pedro's yeah. death. Yeah. Cause, so cause it's, there's a, there's okay. a rumor that that okay. guy's coming back. Okay, yeah. Nico, Nico, not not so fast there, Chubsy. Um, rewind <laughs> to the watch. Um I got the Hydra reference in the the octopus, which I love that logo. I want well, that watch, by the way. Um, hold on, I, Steve. There's more than just the octopus. It's the name the, of it. Strucker. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. ask. So can you explain the significance of Strucker? What does that mean and why do Bear, I need to know about he makes, that? He makes jam, Steve. He makes jam. That's Strucker's. Jam. That's Smuckers. <laughs> Smuckers. In the MCU, um, Baron Strucker is the – is the the Hydra agent with the glasses, the bald guy that we oh. see who creates quote unquote the twins. Yeah. With in the Age scepter, of Ultron. With Loki's, with Loki's scepter, he created the twins. Yes. I have to go watch Age of Ultron again, don't I? 
Yeah. You have to watch the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe back to back in less than a week, like I yeah. did, Steve. Let's have time for this show. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Shayna loved that you did that. By the way, Miko. Oh, I did sure it while I was at work. Sure. I downloaded the movies on my on my Disney app, and then I just listened to them basically like That's podcasts awesome. at work. If Miko's boss or employees are listening, yeah. he's joking about that. By the way, he did not. <laughs> All right, no, guys, I am the 40 boss. If my employees are listening, fuck you. I'm the okay. boss. We've got. And a... if my boss is listening, uh. Love you. Okay, you have to be an example for your employees, boss. Okay, uh, in the last couple of minutes here, was there anything slightly cultish about that group of of women chanting for the children? Yes. What yes. was what was going on there, and is that related to something? Rela- or is it were, were they cultish to like the queen of the cul-de-sac, the the well, woman that was before leaving? Before we get there, are we gonna are we gonna talk about Agnes? Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, well, well that came first. Let's do it quick. Well, answer so my question a, first. What's the deal with the the, the for the children chant? Okay, so the big thing for me on this is the last thing we see in this episode is after the beekeeper and the rewind is is uh, well actually right at that moment um, Wanda's pregnant with the twins with her twins, um, which we'll see later on in the show. If you go back and watch the show, there are references to children throughout the entire episode. This whole thing is building up to the fact that she is what? Having twins, which are what? Mutants. So this is all an introduction, I feel, as to the X-Men. What do you mean? Oh, you mean like mutants, mutants, like X-Men mutants. Yes. Yes. Which which Marvel Cinematic Universe was never able to use because Fox had the rights to X-Men and mutants writ large. So this is almost going to be like an anti-House of M. Yes, exactly. Instead of the end, instead of no more mutants, it's going to be mutants. The introduction. Um, one thing I also, cause there's a million things to talk about, but real quick, I'll run through it as fast as I can. And then Nico jump in with your point, but Scott, besides, you got one minute, go besides minute. the co- besides the color moments where you see those two moments with vision's face, the helicopter, the blood on Dottie's hand. Did anyone else notice that the black and white episode was glitching out through the whole thing? So there were spots of red and, and blue and greens fading in and out in the black and white shots. That happened I, through the whole thing. I did not, but the I did mm-hmm. notice the that the only red that I really saw in the first episode was on the toaster, the little red blinking light. Yes. Yeah. Which just made it seem even oh, more menacing. Yeah. I didn't even catch that. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a, a little great red catch. Light. Also, so, back wow. to that toaster, the black – you said ominous about the toaster, Dave. It, the red blinking light is more like a, like a, a, a warning thing. Yes. Yeah. So – I'm going to loop back to your thing, Steve, but I have to set up my answer by explaining a couple things real quick. So I'm going to claim 40 seconds of privilege. So that second episode had a couple homages to the second Vision in the Scarlet Witch limited series from 1985 written by Steve Englehart. Uh, They're living in New Jersey, which is where the Vision in the Scarlet Witch moved to after they were married and to try to have a normal life. Uh, Their stage names, Glamour and Illusion. Glamour and Illusion were characters that were introduced in that series, illusionists that lived next door to the Vision and the Scarlet Witch. Mm. Uh, The box that they had there, the design on it, looked like the Mind Stone to me. You guys can check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that that pattern pattern was Mind Stone. Uh, Emma Caulfield was the leader of the, of the, the group, and she is a famous actor from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
that this is just a total aside, but that character on Buffy the Vampire Slayer was terrified of bunnies. It was a running gag in the show, so I find it hilarious that she was sharing screen time with a, a rabbit this time around. I don't think that was accidental. But your question of what is the chanting of for the children? So in yeah. that second limited series, there was a group of characters that was introduced called the Salem Seven that were a group of a coven of witches, basically, that were trying to gain power from the Scarlet Witch and Agatha Harkness, her witch mentor. Yes. There is a school of thought that suggest that says maybe these characters, these seven characters that we were introduced to in that episode are the Salem seven. And that's part of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I don't personally buy into it, but the fact that those were prominent characters in that limited series that had other homages in that episode, maybe it's possible. So Agnes, Agatha, possibly yes. Agatha Harkness. Yeah. Got yes. it. Okay. And I'm also going to throw out because Scott will get these in the opening credits. There was Bova milk. Bova yes. was high evolutionary uh, creature that nurtured vision in the Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Witch and Petro when they were kids. And uh, when vision was phasing through the floor of the house in the animated, uh, intro, that's what I wanted phased, to talk about. Yeah. Phased right by the grim reaper's helmet. I know and the grim Reaper is a villain that fights the vision and the Scarlet Witch throughout their comic book comic book you, uh and and i know it was subtle but there's tons of spider webs and i had a feeling because of the connections to spider-man that was just a quick little nod to spider-man but the the grim reaper's helmet just blew my mind i'm like what no way <laughs> so well, there you want to get, high... get a deep cut to spider-man there is if you watch the credits for the fake sitcoms in both episodes yes uh, there is a name of a character who is one of peter parker's classmates he's like a production assistant on the 60s oh. episode and he directed the bewitched episode nice incredible this yeah. stuff goes so deep and it's so fun for me to hear you guys talk about it because um, i this is like unraveling something completely new for me i get to live this for the first time and and you guys get to be my conduit for this so and that's uh, why I'm, i keep saying a lot of the fun. success of this thing is going to be how good is the payoff of that mystery at the end because yes this is fun to you for you to listen and hear this from us but I'm guessing for a lot of viewers, they, they don't care. They just want a self-contained story. Sure. Separate and apart from all the Easter eggs and the fun references. So they, they really have to have a good payoff for this, for it to be a memorable first step. It's a bold, risky gamble for them. I, I think it could pay off because they have a good track record so far. Well, I, I know we got to wrap, but that on that topic, Dave, that's my only complaint about the show is I feel like because of how we've been presented with Marvel movies in the past, that the TV show itself is more of one of those that actually should have been dropped all at once. I feel like that mystery, like Greg pointed out, could be more uh, useful in a you know binge-worthy type show. As much as I like the every Friday night or whatever, every Friday, I, it's just one of those things. I feel like it would lend itself better to the, the continuity of the show and the Marvel Universe. Although a serial release schedule, weekly release schedule, lends itself to a weekly podcast review. And that's what we are planning to do for the next several (laughs) weeks as we continue down the path of learning about WandaVision. And I'll tell you right now, uh, these actors and the cast that they put together for this thing, I can watch Paul Bettany and, uh, oh shoot, what's the actress's name? Uh, uh, Olsen, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen. Olsen. I could watch the two of them all day long. I, they have so much chemistry. I think they're great. The side characters are great. The set dressings are great. Everything on the show, I'm in love with this show. Yeah, and Elizabeth Olsen is doing a really good job of tweaking how she performs her character for the different eras just so far. She was oh. that kind of perky, perfect housewife, and now she's kind of oh, the, yeah. 
mischievous housewife in the second episode. Like, I'm really looking forward to how she keeps tweaking her character throughout. And Paul Bettany can just read a phone book and it'll be fine. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just that good. Little se- sexy 50s housewife, man. It's all about that. Guys, have a great week. Wear your mask, stay socially distanced, and may the force be with us all.